the hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin. We have a very special podcast recording at 8 p.m. on Monday night. Uh, a pretty crazy day for, for UNC basketball fans. Definitely if you're a subscriber of Inside Carolina, uh, the news came down, I guess, late morning, Sherelle, maybe a little or mid-morning, that Walker Kessler, uh, five-star, former five-star big man from UNC, is in the transfer portal, and that goes along with tons of other rumors. So we're going to break it down now. Um, I want to do this podcast because I had all my UNC friend group chats just lit on fire. I had tons of people texting me. People came out of the woodworks. I had some girl I used to date randomly text me. I had all these people texting me asking what I knew and, you know, friends from high school. So I just thought it'd be a great chance tonight to kind of just break it down, provide fans, Inside Carolina subscribers, some perspective from Sherelle and Greg. I'm joined by Sherelle and Greg. We'll get right into it right now. Um, Sherelle, let's start with you. What do you know right now? And, um, and then we'll get into kind of Walker's decision and go from there. Uh, as far as Walker's concerned, or let's go with Walker. We'll start there. Okay. And go All right. There. So, uh, yeah, I think it's something that's probably been gestating for some time. Um, I don't think he just, you know, met with War Williams on Sunday night, which we were able to confirm and said, I'm going to enter the transfer portal. Uh, I think it's something, you know, he definitely been thinking about and probably his folks have been thinking about uh, for some time. And after the meeting, I guess whatever was said was enough to say, you know what, well, this is not the best situation for me and I'm, I'm moving on. Uh, so, I mean, from a Carolina perspective, man, it is as devastating a loss as I can remember, uh, you know, like a non NBA defection. Cause one, you know, before the last couple of years, Carolina just wasn't a school people transferred from that that often. I think there were maybe seven or eight over Roy's 17 or 18 years at UNC. Um, but this one, because Kessler had that face of the program potential, not only was he well-liked, he seemed to really, um, in his short uh, interviews with the media, he handled himself well. Um, talk about a kid who had all the talent in the world, you know, that he kind of flashed throughout the season. And then he was going to have the opportunity uh, next season to kind of be the guy. So you add all that up. And, and the other thing, too, I would say, he's not someone who, like, the NBA was on his mind. Like, sure, he wants to play in the NBA one day, but this isn't a kid who was trying to get to the NBA as fast as possible. So I think that's what makes it sting a little more than usual, is that this was kind of a, a tailor-made recruitment and kid for Roy Williams. And for whatever reason, it kind of went the wrong way. Trill, do you know kind of why he wanted to transfer? I think a lot of people are wondering that, like, why would he do this knowing he would be the face of the program, knowing he was going to get 25, 30 minutes and all the touches next season and uh, everything goes with kind of being the man. I, I think I would say it depends. It, it's probably because of where those touches were going to come from. Um, he was pitched on a certain role and I, I think he didn't feel like he was afforded an opportunity to play that role. Uh, I know what people are saying, you know, if you want to 
you know, the whole quote that he gave was they showed me some film of Luke May and they said, this is what you want. We want you to do. And I think they feel like he wasn't given an opportunity to fulfill that role. And because of that, I guess, you know, whatever was said during the meeting was enough again to say, okay, well, this isn't changing. So I'm going to go somewhere where I can play the preferred style that I want to play. Greg, when you heard the news that Walker Kessler was transferring, what was your initial thoughts? Uh, lost opportunity, I think, is kind of the, the best way. And I think really for both sides. Um, I, you know, this is a kid who his development was very, very much slowed down because he had two 14-day quarantines in the, in the preseason. And, you know, Roy Williams had the quote back in, I guess, December saying he went out on the court and Roy told him to do something and he looked, like, looked at him like he was talking in Chinese. Um, and I think if, if anybody watched the Syracuse game back on March 1st, uh, he played, I think, 11 minutes, 10 minutes in that game. And that was probably several minutes too many because he was just – he didn't know what to do against the zone. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that speaks to the, the growth curve. Um, but I think when you look at what he did against Florida State in the second half, you look at what he did against Notre Dame in the tournament, the incredible amount of potential was glaring. Um, he wasn't there yet. He needed some more seasoning. And – whether you like Roy Williams or not, he has a long and established track record of developing bigs. Um, just, just an incredible amount of um, people we could point out. I mean, most recently, Bryce Johnson went from being somebody who were like, is this kid really going to be able to play at this level for like his first two years to becoming one of the best uh, big guys in the country his senior year? And we've seen that time and time again. So for North Carolina as a program, it really, really hurts uh, just because, I mean, like Sherelle said, this is a foundational piece. I mean, he, he could have been an absolute stud, if not next year, at least by junior, just with all the things that he brought to the table. And I, I think Kessler, uh, I understand some of, the, some of the reasoning, some of the issues there with not exactly being able to showcase the style of play that he wanted. But, man, it's going to be tough for him to find a coach that develops him as well as Roy would. And so uh, for both sides, I think it was a bad deal. Yeah, let me just – I'm going to try to brain dump everything I was thinking about. I mean, it's hard to find seven-foot-one guys to start with. And so you feel that, you know, for UNC fans. And you saw how effective and productive he was in the little minutes he did get. And when he really started to come on at the end, I think fans are just crushed to see that potential gone. Um, I, what I wonder is, is he going to be flashing that kind of stretch four, three point type player in college or even in the pros? I don't know. We, we didn't see any of that. We saw none of that kind of athleticism and three point shooting that, that Luke may had. Um, so you wonder about that as well. And then you, you go on this rabbit hole of, of the five stars and this day of one and dones and the need to play immediately. And it just goes against kind of everything that, that Roy Williams and his staff stands for. So, um, and Ross, I think part of it too, the, the player I, I looked at, and I know the comparisons of the Luke May, uh, but I mean, Tyler Zeller is a guy who was what, 6'10, 6'11. Um, he's like peak Roy Williams, big guy, right? And that uh, great athlete, tall, can run the court. And when North Carolina is running in transition at their best in that secondary break, the trailing big has all kinds of opportunities for that jumper at the top of the key of the free throw line. Hansborough made a living there. Uh, Zeller was a great example of that. So maybe you could see Keller get to a point uh, where he, where Kessler could get to a point where he could maybe be in that role. I didn't see that level of athleticism 
I'd be curious to know what uh, Sherelle thinks about that. Maybe he can get there. I'm just kind of wondering where they thought those opportunities would come from this year. Yeah, Sherelle, you want want to take it from there? I mean, I just saw a guy who was so tall and so long that he got points so easily around the basket as a freshman, and it was just going to develop and kind of come out from the basket from there. So it's so much potential that's gone. Sherelle, kind of let's wrap up Kessler now um, with some words from you, Sherelle. Yeah, I would just say I think it's more, you know, playing time wasn't really a concern. You don't go to UNC, you know, with Garrison Brooks and Dayron Sharp and Armando Baycott already there. Um, if you're worried about playing time, I think opportunity is probably the better phrase to use. And I think maybe they just felt like the opportunity wasn't afforded to them that they they thought that Walker deserved or they thought that Walker was going to be given. Um, and I think, um, you know, that's one thing. And then you talk about the playing style. Um, you know, Roy Williams isn't going to change how he, he plays. I mean, he'll, he'll adapt. He will, he will tweak. But, you know, he has his core principles that he's going to stand by no matter what. And I think when uh, desires maybe uh, don't mesh with that, then you have to you have a decision to make. Both sides have a decision to make whether they're going to acquiesce for the other. And if one doesn't, then you kind of have to figure out what's the move. And in this case, it, it seems like, uh, you know, one didn't acquiesce for the other. And here we are. Yeah, I would love to be in that room to see what that conversation was like. We, we did confirm uh, they had a meeting on Sunday night with, uh, I guess, Walker's father and the staff are with Roy and Walker, um, an emotional meeting. And Walker Kessler is no longer on UNC's roster. He's in the transfer portal. <clears throat> We're going to talk about what else is kind of going on with UNC basketball. I mean, if you're on the message boards on Monday, it was a flame. I was watching uh, Google Analytics, and the traffic numbers were unbelievable. When that Walker Kessler story broke, it was unreal. I mean, it was like nothing I've ever seen. And that just tells you the passion and the interest not only for UNC, UNC basketball, but for Walker as a player. Uh, we're going to talk about what else is going on with UNC basketball. There's a lot of other names with, uh, who are making decisions you know, as we speak. Some news is going to be dropping anytime this week. Um, before that, we'll talk quickly about Johnny T-Shirt, giantt-shirt.com. They're our sponsor. We'd love for you to go to Johnny T-Shirt and giantt-shirt.com. Check out all their UNC apparel and UNC stuff, hats, jerseys, baseball jerseys, basketball jerseys. They have all everything you need. Help us by helping them um, and use that 10% off discount code for Inside Account subscribers. And if you enjoy this content and you're liking what you're hearing, you're liking these podcasts, we have all these podcasts throughout the week. We have breaking news podcasts, great analysis from you know many, many staff members. Make sure you rate review and subscribe to the inside kind of podcast that really helps us it's just one thing it takes literally 30 seconds to do write a short review five-star rating and subscribe it helps us kind of move up in the algorithms and helps us provide this kind of content all right Sherelle, what else do you know right now 8 15 p.m on monday what can you tell us about other names other players it's going to be an off season like no other um, I think people are just glued to Twitter, glued to the message boards for, for news and tidbits on this five-star, the studded freshman class and some other players that kind of makes up UNC's roster. Uh, I would say they're going to have more defections. I think we've, we've I feel like we've been honest with our, our readers for the last couple of weeks that this was coming. You know, maybe we didn't prep them enough before Friday, uh, but I feel like there was some lead time given to let people know that some of these defections were coming. And I, I think there will be some this week that will be announced. Uh, whether or not that is NBA or transfer, I think remains to be seen. 
Um, but those conversations are happening. Roy Williams is and his staff are talking to players. They're all having their um, what used to be, you know, under Coach Smith and under Roy, the kind of exit meetings. But that timetable's just moved up because uh, there's a sense of urgency from both sides. Like if you're going to stay, they need to know, and you need to know. And if you're going to transfer, same thing because they have to, you know, find another player. Um, so there's urgency on both sides to to kind of get. Um, these decisions made and, and announcements made and all that. So I think that's what's coming next. And it's still, I would say, you know, a, a, we'll say a handful, you know, maybe not quite a full handful, maybe more than a handful, trying to be purposely a little vague there of players who have these decisions to make. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of reality now. We, we've used the word unprecedented for a full year now, but it's still unprecedented for UNC and frankly for all coaches because, um the way players are able to move now, uh, you have a whole new, and I, I, we talked about this yesterday in Coast to Coast, basically there used to be two buckets that you recruited from in the spring, or I will say three. You recruited from players who hadn't signed, players who decommitted or got out of their letter of intent and grad transfers. Now you have the quote unquote super seniors, anybody who has an extra year eligibility who won't be at their present school. You have grad transfers. You have traditional transfers who are in the portal who can move in and be um, ready to go next year. You still have people who do decommit and people who get let out of their national letter of intent. So it's just completely different this year. There's a whole new kind of uh, place to shop for lack of a better phrase for, for players. And there's already over 550 players, I think, in the portal. So there's gonna be talent for North Carolina to find. Um, they just have to figure out what they need first and who's leaving. The freaking wild west. I mean, it's unreal because you don't, you always have that, sorry, you have that COVID rule now with the extra year, plus the new transfer rule, which gives players immediate eligibility along with the, I think the popularity of just general grad transfers. And then, of course, the uh, commitments. Greg, you wrote an article about the transfer thing. Um, that's a little bit new. What's your perspective on how UNC will handle that? How you think players are going to handle that? What kind of freedom that gives current UNC players and the freedom it gives uh, North Carolina to go out and get players and to completely remake this roster? Can you put that into words for us? Well, in theory, you, you would think that college basketball players would be able to learn from their football counterparts because when the football football portal started, I think everybody thought, ah, oh, well, yeah, I can play anywhere. I'm going to get in the portal. And last check, I think, what, 25, between 25 and 30% of players that entered the portal uh, have a place to play. And that's scary because that means there's a lot of kids who had their hopes up that they were going to transfer who have nowhere to go. Um, and a lot more players, of course, involved with, with college football and basketball. But I hope there's some kids that, that understand the challenges there. And there's not always you, – it's the whole you know, grass is greener on the other side. That's not always the case. Uh, and when you, when you get into situations these days where everybody's looking at the NBA, um, Shrell made a great point in his post after the ball game Friday night that of all the things that go on this year, right, when you've got the transfer situation that's going to open up in, in April uh, where anybody can transfer without having to sit out a year, uh, you've got the the COVID extra year super senior thing that you mentioned, Ross. But beyond that, you have this situation where a lot of come into school, and the uh, pageantry is not there. Yeah, you know, these kids didn't get to play in front of a a live crowd at Duke. I mean, that is a UNC Duke staple, one of the best rivalries in the country, and they did not get to experience it. They did not get to experience the summer pickup games. 
So there are a lot of things that bind people to this place, right? Um, but these kids didn't get to experience that. And so they don't have those connections that, that maybe make them want to stay, right? Hansbrough is the greatest example. He kept finding reasons to come back to school. And a lot of these kids, it's not just Carolina, it's all over the country. They don't have these experiences. So they're going to be more willing to take a chance because all they got to do is play basketball. They didn't get to enjoy the, the social settings and, and real college life. Uh, so combine all those things together. And just, it's, it is, it's going to be a wild west situation. Um, in theory, I think that North Carolina should be okay. Because if you look at how the roster was constructed this year, I mean, Roy had four centers pretty much. He had five shooting guards, a couple who you know, struggled to shoot. And then you know, a, a couple wings, one who was hurt. And then the other one was leaky who does a lot of different things, but he's not a scorer. And so it wasn't the best makeup in terms of pieces to put together that, that Roy probably would like. So I think there's an opportunity there for North Carolina to be effective in the portal. But as Sherelle said, this is not a normal thing for Roy to say, okay, well, you know what? I'm losing guys that I recruited. I'm just going to go find transfers. He's never done that. That's why we can count on two hands how many times kids have transferred, how many have come in. So he's going to have to adjust to that very quickly for this not to hurt the program. And, and that's, that's easier said than done. Yeah. But I think that's the move. He's going to have to be proactive and aggressive in trying to address some of these issues. So many things to unpack there. I mean, I think the point that Sherelle made in his post about how there's nothing keeping, nothing tying players to UNC. I mean, I, I mean, I went to UNC. It's not a secret. It's beautiful here in the fall. Football Saturdays are unbelievable. The pickup games with Rashid Wallace and Joel Berry and Theo Pinson and Tyler Zeller and Tyler Hansborough and all the other alums that come back have to be unbelievable and you build a connection with the Carolina family that probably gets you kind of excited about your future at UNC and your future after UNC and hanging around those pros, Harrison Barnes, um, you know, tons of names. That's got to be an awesome experience and building those relationships certainly kind of ties you. It's a fraternity. It ties you to a group of people and that's hard to kind of leave. They didn't have that. They didn't get to go party. I mean, the bet a lot of people go to college to party and hang out and have fun with friends and make new friends and, go to fraternity parties and, and, and go to apartment parties. They had none of that because they had to stay in the bubble. And that's a huge part about college. And when you, you know, there's a lot of colleges that aren't as good as Carolina when it comes to a lot of things we're speaking about. Um, in the spring, spring in Chapel is beautiful. And they're kind of done with basketball and you're hanging out on the, on the lawn and the, and the quad. There's just so many good things about college they haven't experienced. I think that's an important thing to note. There's nothing holding, nothing really emotional or relationship-based is keeping these players in town, which is uh, a big reason why maybe they think they can go find something better elsewhere. Um, do you want to talk, Cheryl, you want to talk about kind of the transfer issue now and kind of how that's playing out recruiting wise? Cause it's so interesting. I think about um, like recruiting now, cause like you said, you have to recruit transfer something really has never done. Cameron Johnson, um, uh, Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce, and Justin Knox, Justin Knox before yeah. that I can remember. So this is a whole new thing for him. I mean, how do you think Roy's going to handle that? I'm sure his staff's going to have a big role with that. I mean, how do you see that kind of playing out? Because as we think, there's going to be a couple more people that leave UNC, whether it's for the NBA, whether it's to, to transfer uh, out of the program. Um, I think there's only two options you can do, but Jarrell? Yeah, and I would say, too, to your point, uh, Ross, like, you know, they lived an NBA lifestyle for a year. It was, oh, hotel, it was hotel, gym, uh, online class, hotel, gym, practice online class over and over they never went to a single in-person class yep. and i know like you know when you think about class now as a you know 
30 something, we're all 30 somethings. When you think about that now, it's like, oh, why would I want to go to class? But um, back then, you know, it's kind of cool to walk in class. You're the big man on campus. You're a basketball player. Like everybody's looking at you. Um, Greg's Greg is, not 30. Greg's yeah, not 30. Greg's not okay. I was trying to give him some credit. Uh, <laughs> so when, but, you, when you said NBA lifestyle, I thought you meant like being a big man on campus, like the big like oh, being, living. I mean, dude, when, when I was at school, the basketball players were gods. I mean, yeah, when you saw yeah. Raymond Felton, Sean May walking around when I was a freshman. It was unbelievable. And then, of course, Tyler Hanser was there for three of my four years. Go ahead. Yeah. You, so, like, so that's perfect. So, like, NBA lifestyle in that when there are people on campus, you know, they're, they're, they're the people. Like, you walk past campus, you see them sitting. For me, it was Lenore. You see them sitting beside Lenore on, like, mm-hmm. a, on a Tuesday at 12, and, like, they're all there and all swagged out. I'm like, yeah, I'm a <laughs> basketball player. Like, that's something that the players didn't they, – they missed that. Yeah. What I meant by NBA lifestyle was yeah. – it's, it's a business for them. This was a business year. It was, I'm in my hotel, I'm doing my work. I'm going to the Smith center for practice. I'm going to a game and then I'm repeating, I'm getting on a plane. I'm gone on a road trip for three days. And then I'm coming back to my hotel, repeat, you know, rinse and repeat. So uh, that, that's what I meant by NBA lifestyle, but mm-hmm. it, to your point it's perfect. Like that's what they've been experiencing. Um, as far as the recruiting thing, I do think uh, we, we've already kind of gotten word that I think they're going to be much more aggressive in the portal than maybe they have been in the past. Um, you know, grad transfers, I think, are, are different than traditional transfers. And Roy Williams has never taken a scholarship traditional transfer at UNC his entire time. He's taken some walk-ons as transfers, but never a scholarship traditional transfer. So like, in the like, past, not a, like, like not a grad transfer? Right. So gotcha. a transfer yeah. who had to come in, sit out a year, and then play again. He's never taken one of those. He's taken the four grad transfers mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. Um, <clears throat> so there's going to be a load of talent, you know, and to break this down again. So if you just look at this hypothetical, so say you are, you know, you're Ross Martin, you go to, I don't want to be mean to anybody. You're Ross Martin, you're at Holy <laughs> Cross and you're averaging 20 points a game. You're, you're a great player shooting 40% from three, et cetera, et cetera. But Holy Cross has a really good recruiting class coming in and you staying as a super senior would put them over 13 scholarships. That's fine because of the super seniors, but does Holy Cross really want to pay or can Holy Cross pay for more than the 13 scholarships they've allotted in their budget? Probably not. So either Holy Cross's coach is going to have to get rid of one of the freshmen who he might not want to do, or he's going to have to get rid of you. So that's a great player who normally wouldn't have been available because of this quote unquote super senior rule who Roy Williams can go after. Um, so that's an example of, you know, just finding talent somewhere. And just, that's not, those are, those guys aren't even in the portal yet. So 550 people in the portal already. And those players haven't even gone yet. And they're still, you know, 18 teams, 20 teams playing in the NCAA tournament. So they're going to have, they're going to have people who call them and say, Hey, I'd, I'd love to come to Carolina, whether or not, you know, those people fit, we'll see. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to have to take a, a, at least a couple um, from the portal to try to fill in the roster. I think once it's all said and done. Yeah. You're definitely yeah, making. Uh, let me just say this real quick. Yep. Uh, I'm not great at math. I'm using a calculator. <laughs> There's 4,500 players at the, that can play at the division one level. When you factor in roughly 350 teams, 13 scholarships. Uh, so 4,500, you're talking about 500 plus already in the portal. That's significant. I mean, you're talking close to you know, 10% there. So that's, that's a crazy, crazy number. It's only going to get bigger. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. Like, there's going to be people who see an opportunity at Carolina that might leave a, a decent op- opportunity in a d- decent space. 
uh, de- decent place at some school and want to play at a higher level or play at Carolina, I grew up Carolina fan or just that the brand recognition. And also the staff will have tape of them playing in college against pretty good competition to go off of. So it's not as much of a crapshoot getting a, a recruit who, you know, played high school, maybe didn't play the highest level. So you kind of see a couple of years of experience. Of course, we saw it with Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce and work out as well. Not to take a shot at them, but Trell. Or I would say, or look at someone who maybe Carolina's offered in the last three or four years, and mm-hmm. maybe they didn't have the best situation, or maybe they got injured and they're working their way back, or maybe they don't like the coach, or maybe they don't like the AD. Um, that person, it could be available. You know, North Carolina's not going to tamper or anything, but if that person, you know, does what they're supposed to do and enters the portal and says, hey, remember you offered me back in 2017, and I said you couldn't, you know, you couldn't do this for me. Well, I think you can now. Do you have a scholarship? You know, I think they're going to get a lot of those calls. And honestly, you know, I think they need to look at this as an opportunity. It's hard to do because mass transfers is just not something that Carolina's experienced. I think a lot of schools have, and Carolina's just kind of one of the last ones to deal with this. Um, but this is the reality now, and this is what's going to happen moving forward. So um, they've shown the ability to adjust already with the way they've gone after spring signees and players who are out of their letter of intent so that that skill set is in their toolbox already you start talking about garrison brooks and anthony harris and christian keeling and cole Kerwin anthony walton. and Kerwin walton and justin yep. pierce and cameron johnson and on and on and on so they've shown they can do it now they just they're going to have to do it a, a little bit more and then you know they're the assistants and, and roy they're going to have to re-recruit their own players again too um, so that's kind of the fifth bucket of players that they have to recruit. So it's, it's a lot more work for them now um, and a lot more, uh, you know, kind of stuff to manage. And how about this? Of, of all the NCAA tournaments, this one, at least early, is the craziest of all, primarily because there's a lot of these small schools that have really good guards. If North Carolina could use anything, it would be like a high-quality point guard, right? And you look at guys like Max Amos and – Lucas Williamson, and a lot of these guys that are still playing, I mean, good gracious, how is that for a, uh, a stage to kind of make your presence felt across the country that, hey, guys, see what I'm doing in the NCAA tournament? Uh, I may be able to help you out next year. So just, just a lot of crazy dynamics going to be taking place in the next several weeks. Yeah, I think UNC is going to need a, a lot of different pieces. Guard play, certainly. They could always use some more shooters. I think if UNC had one more shooter this year, I think it'd be a completely different team. If they had another Kerwin Walton throughout there and, and definitely some big men with Walker Kessler leaving. All right, let's, we're going to get out here on this. Um, maybe a little bit more conversation on this topic, but Sherelle, you didn't tell us, you know, who or anything like that. I know there's going to be more names entering the transfer portal and some guys leaving the program. Um, I mean, Garrison Brooks has a decision to make because he is essentially graduated, has four years. He could stay, but there's a good chance that he could enter the professional ranks or, transfer as well um i'm just gonna throw some names out and baycott has a decision to make um love you've seen the tweets from baycott's dad from caleb love's dad we're not gonna hide this from you caleb love uh is certainly a decision to make on on what he wants to do um what do you think the roster is there any way to predict what the roster is going to look like uh, can you do that right now like what hey, can you Ross, tell us put him put him on the spot what is the <laughs> roster going to look like i just <laughs> I mean, the sky is falling like it's a meltdown, you know, like everybody's going crazy. It's just like, I don't know. I just want to talk about like what's going to happen, because I think people are are, you've kind of brought some perspective and rationality to this, Sherelle and Greg. I'm trying to be like the the enraged kind of meltdown fan. 
um, <laughs> and try to figure something out. I don't know what you can kind of do to, to, to talk, talk me through it here. Well, everybody's not leaving. I think that's a start. There, there will be players who played last year on North Carolina's team who will be back next year. So I think you can start there. Um, there will be good players who did some good things for North Carolina this year who will be on the roster next year. Um, then they have two signees already in DeMarco Dunn and Dontre Styles, um, two solid players. I don't know if they are, you know, come in and start day one type impact players, but they can be pieces. They might have then, to start. Yeah, they, they, they might have to start. Um, and then from there, you kind of have to kind of start piecing things together. So say there are, you know, I'm just throwing out a number. This is not indicative of anything. So I'm just throwing out a number. Say there are six guys who we know will be on the roster next year. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just throwing out a number. Um, you know, North Carolina has to essentially go out and find and, and fill things out. Um, and they're going to have so many opportunities to do that. And it is, as someone who covers recruiting, I don't want to use the word exciting because this is a not a great day uh, for UNC uh, with everything that's happened, but it is different in that we get to chase things differently as far as, you know, who they're talking to and, um, you know, what players might be interested in, in everything. And like I said before, it's just a whole huge new group of people opened up, you know, before we'd be talking about maybe three or four spring signees who are left in the top 100. And now we're literally talking about, the gamut of college basketball. Like there's, there's no one in college basketball that could, you know, conceivably couldn't end up Carolina at Carolina if they wanted to literally no one because of the expected yeah. pass of the one, one time transfer next month um, and the super senior stuff. Um, so it's, it's kind of, I, I don't want to, I, I want to choose my words carefully because I know the, the fan base is, is struggling mm -hmm. with this right now. We're putting everything you say into a graphic. Bro. <laughs> We're going to throw it on Instagram. But, but it is an opportunity for them to find, you know, to fill out the roster and to fill out the roster uh, with, you know, high level talent. And I think that's been one of the issues in, in the past when you're trying to kind of scrambling in the spring. There's not a lot of high major talent out there. I think this year there will be. We lost Greg. <laughs> he got sniped off the, off the podcast. He's <laughs> internet dive. That's okay. I wanted to ask him kind of what this means for Carolina basketball. Here, here comes Greg. That's all right. Part of the part of the deal here. We're podcasting. You back, Greg? Yep. Sorry. Okay. You missed a great Shrell answer, but we're back. Um, I want to ask both y'all this. I mean, what do you think? the developments of today with Walker Kessler and potential developments that could happen with other players, and other high-end recruits. And I mean, everything you hear about Roy Williams system and, and where it is and, and the maybe stubbornness or inability to adapt. What do you think it means for UNC basketball moving forward? I mean, can you kind of put that into words? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I got to say. Like, ah, what's this mean? So let me approach it from, from this angle. Um, we knew that the NCAA investigation was going to impact the recruiting efforts of this UNC coaching staff. What happened was, is because Roy Williams had some good pieces in place and he was able to bridge the gap with guys like Luke May, who surprised everybody, and Kenny Williams, who, who was a great four-year player, it kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit, if you will. That finally caught up with the program last year. Um, he, he tried to he tried to fill in some of the gaps with some grad transfers to work alongside of Armando and, and Cole Anthony, who are elite guys coming in out of high school. Injuries played a role. The grad transfers weren't as good as maybe they hoped they would be. You end up 14 and 19. This year, you bring in a number two ranked recruiting class 
And I really think this was the year that you're supposed to have success, but you're really building that foundation moving forward. Uh, I mean, if everything worked out according to plan next year and the year after, now North Carolina is back to being one of the top teams in the ACC and can really kind of move forward. Um, what this does, you know, if there's multiple people who, who don't uh, stick around, now you're hurting that process and now you're more in limbo and you've got to patch some, some holes, maybe with some transfers. Uh, and I, I think, I think that from a, that doesn't really address your question. I'll let Sherell do that. Ross about kind of the system, mm-hmm. just in terms of how the program is, is situated right now. It's not, it's not the firm foundation that maybe it could have been if some of these all season decisions weren't taking place. Before you jump in Sherell, we heard what Roy said after the loss of Wisconsin about how he thinks they have a great foundation to build on, and, and everyone saw it. I mean, they, with the seven freshmen, including Anthony Harris, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, um, of course, Baycott is a, is a rising junior, Walker Kessler, Daron Sharp, all these good players, Puff Johnson, Kern Walton, they had all the pieces to build upon. And you kind of saw that glimmer in Roy's eyes about what he could have to work with, but he, he kind of prefaced it by saying, like, Things are changing, and there's transfers, and there's NBA decisions. We have to wade through that. Sherelle, you want to take us out with kind of a finishing uh, statement note here? Yeah, I was just going to say I think that it has caused the the general angst among the fan base and our readers and subscribers. It's why I used the word ominous on Friday, which <laughs> I took a lot of slack for. Um, but knowing that some of this stuff was was coming, it it hurts the fan base because this is this is kind of the traditional UNZ cycle. You know, if yeah. you go back. 20 or 30 years you know after the post game people are upset sure because people always get upset after NCAA tournament loss but then after about a day they say wow Caleb Love and RJ Davis and Kerwin Walton and Armando Baycott and Puff Johnson will be healthy and Leaky Black and possibly Daron Sharp and Walker Kessler like oh man there's a foundation there to build you know this isn't the year but next year man they should be preseason top five and they can win the ACC that's a team that can contend for a national championship and I think for UNC um, they had that in 2018, 19, and then, you know, Kobe, whether you call it unexpected or not, Kobe left and that kind of changed the trajectory. And then, you know, things never got set last year. And so this year was supposed to be that bridge year into next year where everything was supposed to come together. And these, the player movement in this off season is going to derail that. So essentially you're resetting the program for about the third year in a row. And that's just not something Carolina fans, especially under Roy Williams are used to. So I, I think that's why. Um, this season has felt very angsty, for lack of a better phrase, for the band base, because this stuff is kind of was a cloud. It was a dark cloud over all this. It, it colored everything that we wrote. It colored uh, how the team played. Um, you know, then you add in COVID and just there, it just never felt like it was going to be. Um, uh, it, it all felt temporary, I think. And that's, I think, what causes the fan base to feel the way it's feeling today and, and kind of that what we've seen on the message board and what we've seen online and social media and everything. Yeah. Ross, this year sucked. I mean, let's just be honest. It, it sucked for, for all of us individually and uh, kind of in that situation for the basketball team right now. So. Yeah. Um, well, well said. Um, well, that <laughs> that's was why great. I mean, they made the big bucks. <laughs> that's right. Um, certainly. I mean, it's been a weird year and it affects everything. Um, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, more news there's a good chance news has broken while you're listening to this or by the time you listen to this but i think this is a good podcast to kind of 
perspective, some rational thought, some future ideas of what's going to happen with UNC's program. Um, good stuff about the transfers and how UNC is going to approach that. That's be interesting to follow. I mean, stay tuned in inside Carolina. If you're not a subscriber, there's a first month for $1 deal going on now. I mean, this is the time. The offseason is the time to, uh, to really join because you have all the recruiting stuff, all the scoops, all the tidbits, all the message boards talking about everything. Um, it's a great place to be on inside Carolina message boards for football and basketball, football spring practice starting on Tuesday as well. So make sure you join inside Carolina, get all that stuff. Cause during the season, it's just Greg and I writing free content and you can get on that. You can get that stuff for free, but the off season is where Sherelle <laughs> and Don and all the uh, premium content is up there. So inside Carolina guys, Sherelle, Greg, I appreciate you coming on on a, a late notice there. Um, it was a good chance. We might be doing one of these things in a couple of days. Cause I think it's a, Fans love this stuff, and I think people want to talk about Carolina basketball and what's going on now and what's going on for the future. But appreciate it, guys. Can I can I just give a PSA real quick? Yeah, you know, go ahead. Uh, okay, I <laughs> I don't mean to be moral compass guy and everything, but like just just have some grace for everyone during this period because as Greg said so eloquently, this year sucked. It was bad, and you know basketball players are not, are not an exception. If you take away just the basketball part. These are just, you know, they're dudes and they really struggled, you know, not having everything that, you know, for those of us who went to Carolina or those who us who went to college got to experience. Just imagine your dream, yeah. you know, running out of the Smith Center tunnel to 21,000 fans and, you know, all the stuff we've talked about, all the experiences. I mean, I can, I could probably talk for three hours and list a thousand experiences during my college time that I just, you know, start thinking about and smiling. And I, I don't know if these guys have 10. You know, and, and I'm not just talking about from my, my four years, like my freshman year. Um, and I think a lot of people have that experience and these guys just didn't get it. So it, it is not that it's not an indictment on Chapel Hill. It's not an indictment really on Carolina as a school or anything. It's just what these guys experienced this year. And like you said, they didn't have the, the things to anchor them. So just as you talk about them, as you think about their parents and, and kind of, you know, message board and, and have conversations, just have a little grace because, you know, leaving and getting out of a bad situation doesn't, a bad situation for you doesn't make you a terrible person. It just makes you someone who wants to change. There you go. Great words. I always like to remember that it's a game where you bounce an animal, an inflated animal skin on hardwood and put in a circular metal, you know, rim and football, same thing. You carry an inflated pigskin across white lines on a grass field. It's not that big of a deal. With Your job's to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, you start to think about, all right, guys, that's fun. I, I, I guess it's fun. I uh, appreciate all listening. Thanks for listening to the inside Carolina podcast. We're going to check out Johnny t-shirt and giant t-shirt.com. Subscribe to the Inside Carolina podcast, and we will uh, check you next time. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, you got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.